0: Hello and welcome to the Perfect Gentleman podcast. This is episode 10, week 2 of May. I am Zach of barfield co-founder of The Perfect Gentleman, and alongside me is... James Marwood.
1: Good to speak to you again, Zach. How are you, my friend?
0: I'm very well, sir. How are you this week?
1: I'm good, I'm good, although um, rain has stopped play somewhat on the garden. I was hoping to make a bit of a change to my uh, little herb garden, but it's currently under about two inches of water, so not being done this week.
0: No, not not being done this week, no. I've been busy working away. You're a busy man, a lot to do. Beavering away at the PG offices. Someone said to me this week, um, so when are you going on holiday? I laughed wryly at them. <laughs> Yes. We don't have
1: holidays, Zach. We're self-employed. What is this strange
0: thing you talk about?
1: We might go to another place where other people do things and we work, but that's not a holiday. Exactly.
0: So uh, uh, episode 10. So this week it's uh, Romance. Great, so we're still on books? We're still on books. It's still book month. And then we have a new contributor this month. Uh, we have a Grant Harris, who
1: is now our news from Washington. Excellent. Look forward to that. I've not heard Grant speak yet, so that'd be great.
0: He's a lovely chap. <laughs> He'll be giving us news from Washington, D.C. Splendid. In the capital of, of our American cousins. So that, that's this week's, I suppose we should kick off, really.
1: Sure, so literary
0: romance. Well, yes, I just, I was thinking, as it is our, our book-themed month, I was trying to think of what something we should do for romance for this month, and I thought, well, mm-hmm. why don't we pick some books that um, we gentlemen should read to enhance our romantic natures. And understand what great romance is.
1: I think that's a great idea.
0: So I, I've picked a, a little handful of, of a selection, some classics, some uh, modern. They are uh, a little um, <clears throat> different sometimes, but they're pretty good. So I, mm-hmm. and I have actually weirdly read them all, which is quite surprising. Excellent. Sometimes you don't read everyone that you put on a list, but I have read all of them all. My first selection is actually not technically a book, it's a play. Fair enough But I suggest that you should read it Which is Romeo and Juliet Yes Because it is pretty much the archetypal love story Star-crossed lovers um, Idolistic um, adolescence Family strife True love Not in a happy ending That's that's sometimes the way of the world But it's Shakespeare It's beautiful It's beautifully written And it's a lovely story Excellent And one of those stories that I think um, Not only should you see on stage Performed by great Mm -hmm. actors But I think one should read it
1: as you say, I mean, it's the classic, and it is such a good story.
0: Yeah, and it, it sparks off so
1: many other great love stories. Yes, indeed. And I remember being taken to see Romeo and Juliet when I would be about about 13, the Royal Shakespeare Academy, do a season in, in Newcastle every every year or most years, being taken there under sufferance and not really wanted to go and being absolutely blown away, especially when performed well by people who really know what they're doing. It's
0: so good. Oh, it's fantastic. There's so many great versions of it, both on stage and on television and film it's well worth picking up it's well worth having a look at it's well worth well worth reading yes good and so what else do you have sir go from sort of historical novel you know uh, to a more recent one a, a favorite of many uh, ladies it was made into a movie which is nicholas sparks the notebook ah uh, yes it's a very popular movie adaptation a story about love's endurance It starts as a teenage Mm -hmm. romance, years later they're reunited, um, and it's told from a historical perspective, but it's a beautiful little novel, it's a true love story, and it's a love story over time, which great love stories generally should be, I think. You know, love stories need to be set in a sweeping grandeur, Mm -hmm. would be a a great one to read, and then talking about sweeping grandeurs, one of the greatest love stories is uh, uh, Boris Pasternak's Doctor Zhivago.
1: Oh, Yes.
0: It's a sweeping tale of of Russian love. Uh, Yuri Zhivago is a medical doctor and a poet during the 1917 Russian Revolution. And he's married to the aristocratic Tonya, uh, but Mm -hmm. falls in love with the nurse Laura. And it's set in that war time of great change in Russia, written in that wonderful Russian way. It's a beautiful uh, book um, and... Uh, was made into a very famous movie with uh, Omar Sharif in the lead. Fantastic film. Uh, it's a great sweeping uh, romance mm-hmm. novel to
1: read. Definitely one of the ones to go for. I've
0: written that on my list. I've seen
1: the film, but I've never read the book. I shall remedy that.
0: <laughs> I'm very glad to hear that. And then we go back to uh, more recent times and the great Remains of the Day. Kizuru yep. Ishiguro's novel, which mm-hmm. was made into a great movie with um, Emma Thompson and uh, Anthony Hopkins, mm-hmm. is about the... Would be romance between an English butler and a housekeeper. And again, it's quite a small novel, it's not a big novel, but it's a beautiful story of love under the covers, as it
1: were. Yes, below stairs. Again, not read the book, um, but have seen the film. It's interesting because it's one I've, I've almost picked up a few times and then for the various reasons not not read. But I'll, I'll put that one on the list also.
0: I like this. This is this is very good. And then um, it's an interesting love story. Mm-hmm. Not one that most people would think of off the top of the head. For me, it is a love story nonetheless. It's Victor Hugo's The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Oh, okay. Yes. So it's the love between uh, Esmeralda. Mm-hmm. Uh, by mm-hmm. Anne Quasimodo. Sure. It's one of those interesting ones to have a look at, and it's set in Paris, in well, it's set in the 1400s, um, but it's written by Victor Hugo, who's a 19th-century novelist, great literary hero of France, well worth
1: having a read, one that uh, is a little unusual. It's something that gets referenced a lot in culture, and obviously there have been films and the Disney film and all that sort of thing, but the original story is much more textured and much more nuanced. It's,
0: it, it's yeah. a love story at the end of the day. Yeah. It's, it's the beauty and the beast which we we talk about all the time. That's an interesting one to go with. And then a modern novel, uh, which has now actually been made into a, a TV series, which is called Outlander, Diana Gabaldon Uh, it's a series of books but the first one is called Outlander Um, and it's an interesting book about a woman who has uh, married in in modern era and then has a a time-travelling romance with a a gentleman in the Jacobean past so uh, an interesting read gentlemen of different eras and how they Mm -hmm. act and how you can love more than one person in different ways
1: another good choice that's great
0: and then my final choice is a true classic Pride and Prejudice okay yes probably the, the the great example of of Jane Austen's work pride and prejudice has been made into various tv shows movies and very spin-offs including one with zombies but it is uh, a true classic
1: romance tale everything austen does is, is beautiful but no pride and prejudice is a, it's very special
0: those are my sort of romance books to read if you're a gentleman and you want sort to
1: of you know get some classical romance in i was sent something earlier today which is somewhat Related to Austin. My friend Helena sent me this Jane Austen bingo, which I don't know if you've seen. I haven't. It's great. So imagine a, a bingo card, and in each of the different sections, it has things that may happen to you if you were a character in an Austin novel, such as you are in a garden and you are astonished. <laughs> uh, you once took a walk with a cad. <sighs> I know. Your father is absolutely terrible with money. No one has ever told him. And it's, it's all these tropes from, from Austen. It's, it's gently poking fun, but there's nothing quite like Austen, especially for romance, I think. Do you, do you have any ones, James, off the top of your head? I have a book that I read a little while ago, and it was actually, I, I found it on a on a train, and someone had, had, had left it, and I was the only one in the carriage, so I couldn't find out who owned it. But it's called uh, The Spy Master's Lady by uh, Joanna Bourne. It's kind of historical adventure... Theatrics, almost if you imagine John Le Carré meets, I don't know, Daniel Steele or something. It's the first in a series, and I think there's been maybe half a dozen or so of these, but it's about a French spy, young lady, Annick Villiers, who is called the Fox Cub, and her rivalry, adventures, and sort of romance with Robert Grey, the British spymaster, all set during Polionic era france it's fascinating it's not austin but it's a great read a lot of fun it was good enough that i had to get prompted to get off the train because i didn't realize we pulled into london and that is always
0: a sign of a good book <laughs>
1: indeed yes
0: <clears throat> excellent excellent well if you've got any recommendations uh suggestions comments about uh, what we're talking about on the books today or any other romantic books um that uh, you would add to our list please drop us a line at inquiries at theperfectgentleman.tv or contact us through any of our social media channels Instagram, Twitter, Facebook um, and it's the P. Gentlemen. Uh, we'd be delighted to hear from you about this or any of the other topics that we cover on the podcast or suggestions for future podcasts Absolutely, yes Our wonderful partners, The Cravat Club provide luxury silk cravats, scarves and pocket squares designed and handcrafted in England so compliment your style with a touch of sartorial elegance with these 100% silk cravats, scarves and pocket squares, which are an ideal addition to evening or daywear for a sharp and refined look for the distinguished gentleman. Head on over to their website www.cravat-club.com to grab yours now. Where are we off to now? We go to Washington, D.C. We have a new uh, contributor in uh, the great form of Grant Harris, who is a stylist in Washington. He's going to uh, give us some update from Washington, D.C. And he and I have a little bit of a conversation, and uh, uh, we shall go from there. Hi, and welcome. And I am delighted to uh, be here with Grant Harris from Washington. Hello, Grant. Zachary how are you sir
2: pleasure to be here and looking forward to our conversation
0: oh it's a pleasure sir it's a, it's a great honor to have you as one of our contributors um, uh, thank you very much for being part of the uh, perfect gentleman journey as we say
2: of course it's always a journey to be a gentleman it's a long one uh, but it's uh, worth the effort exactly
0: exactly yeah it's always it's a never ending journey oh yeah <laughs> so, um, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and what you do and what you're up to and, and what you're doing in Washington. Certainly. I am a Washingtonian by heart and
2: by trade I'm uh, founder of Image Granted, which I founded back in 2009. And I am a work uh, consultant uh, and I know people use that word uh, a lot in general, uh, but I work with individual men and corporations to help them. Uh, plan, pursue, and achieve their personal goals, and specifically in fashion. Uh, Along with that, I'm a writer, uh, a bit of an author, uh, a bit of a traveler, uh, more so recently in my mind than physically, but uh, always traveling somewhere, either through my writing or through speaking. Uh, I spend a lot of time doing things such as this, uh, having conversations with gentlemen like yourselves and organizations like yourselves in order to improve the lives of other men Uh, who are interested in being better. Uh, And I have a personal motto or a personal goal that I try to be 1% better every day. Uh, So if I can share that with uh, organizations like The Perfect Gentleman and your audience and mine,
0: uh, then I'm a happy man. Uh, It's a a noble thing, sir, and I I, I wholeheartedly salute you, and I wish more men in the world would do that.
2: Uh, This is the perfect vehicle in order to do it. So uh, I jumped at the chance in order to contribute uh, both editorially and and having this podcast uh, in this world of tech, technology, <laughs> a lot of people, uh, you, you got to hit the right channels in the right medium. So uh, if you don't get them
0: with the eyes, you got to get them with the ears. So Washington, it's a lovely city. I've been there um, uh, uh, once and it, I fell in love with it. So what's the scene like in Washington? What's the, the gentleman scene, the menswear scene? What's it kind of like there in Washington? Uh, it's good.
2: It, it brings up a point. You, you call it Washington, which most people... Not from the area would call it. Uh, there's Washington, and then there's DC, and those are two different dichotomies. It's uh, they could be couldn't be further from each other in terms of the field. Uh, Washington is what you see on TV, uh, the politicians, which obviously my my article focused uh, plenty of attention on the political scene. Uh, but it's what you see on CNN. It's the Capitol Hill. It's the most powerful city in the country, or most powerful city on on the planet for that matter. All of that is true, uh, but that's Washington. D.C. is more of the soul, of uh, the heart of the city. Uh, That's where you get people who live here, work here, play here, raise families, uh, dress here, and and attempt to be better people and better men. Um, That's where you get uh, the jazz scene and the, the art scene, food scene, and obviously in my world where you get the fashion scene. So Washington and D.C. are very separate. Um, you rarely hear anyone put them both together. They either say, as you say, uh, Zach Washington, ah, Washington was great. Or they say, I'm from D.C. Um, so it's it's just a matter of uh, understanding the, uh, the difference between the two. And it's not that they don't get along, it's not that you, know, you, you don't see a mix, uh, but it's just a different feel overall, if that makes sense.
0: No, 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 that, and thank you for that because it's always good to learn local, uh local lingo and, and make sure that we fit in, so uh, I shall not make that mistake again. <laughs> so so what's uh, what's the menswear scene like in D.C.? What's, how has it evolved? Because you've been there for some time. Tell us a little bit about what's going on in D.C.
2: Yeah, D.C. is one of those cities where people, and people meaning uh, businesses. Uh, They want to come because it's on their list of the next spot to open a a, a boutique, either an individual boutique or open a chain. Uh, It's on the list because they see it as, like I said, the most powerful city in the world. Uh, You have men who wear suits, uh, but they also see it as a breeding ground um, because there is a lot of work to be done on the D.C. fashion scene. Um, As you can as you can guess, it is not the fashion capital that New York or London or Paris uh, have been for hundreds and hundreds of years. Um, But there is a lot of opportunity here. So they see it as, and there's there's many pockets of of Washington and D.C. where you get different looks and different feels. So there's opportunities for different types of businesses to establish themselves and use this not only as a testing ground, but a proving ground. Um, So in the last three to five years, there have been dozens on dozens of brands, both small and large, both unknown and, and known outside of the city that have made a presence in D.C. And that presence can either be through uh, brick and mortar retail or pop-up shops, um, these types of examples. Um, overall, I think that the scene is growing. I think it's maturing in terms of not only the options, but also uh, the attention that is brought. Or that is, uh, that is illuminated from the inside out of the city. Uh, D.C. is a place where people are proud to be from. Also, it is a very transient place. But the people that are from here are happy to say, "Hey, I'm a Washingtonian." And in that vein and in that right, they take the opportunity to shout out and say, "Hey, yeah, we we have this particular brand here, or we're doing this uh, here in D.C. and it's and it's on the map." So it is very much uh, a scene that is maturing and growing, especially over the last three to five years. I can name dozens of brands that have tried to make a presence in in DC. Uh, So I'm happy to be able to have seen all of that, uh, help brands come in uh, because they come to me and they ask me for my opinion. Uh, Where do you think we should set up shop? Uh, What type of staff uh, should we have, these types of things, which I'm obviously glad and honor to to help uh, and 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 uh, and move them through their process.
0: Oh, well, that's great. Is it, I mean, I don't know about. Is there any DC owned brands? Is there kind of things that you kind of go? That's a DC brand that you kind of know and like and love. Uh, for <clears throat> for men outside of the area, they wouldn't know much. It used to
2: be many years ago. Uh, and me, I'm a classic menswear kind of guy. Uh, I like a good suit, good shirt, and a good tie. Uh, not that I'm against the street wear and all of that, but for me, that's what it is. So, brand like Bridges, uh was was made homegrown in DC. Uh, they're on the, they're on their way back. Uh, Bridges used to be the place where you went and got that classic look. Uh, unfortunately, they had a lot of business troubles. They about uh, 20 years ago, they went out of business. But over the last year or so, there have been whispers that they are coming back in the business, which is great uh, because it was a stalwart in in the D.C. scene. Um, Now, uh, nowadays, uh, Paul Stewart is one of my favorites. Uh, They're right there in D.C. Um, City Center is a mega luxury shopping area uh, that has been built over the last two years. And for the specific purpose of bringing in these large brand name uh, operators and retailers in order to offer the highest level of luxury to the Washingtonian sh- uh, Washingtonian man. So for me, uh, I love Paul Stewart, uh, I love Laura Piana. It is rare that you have a, a brick and mortar outpost from, from Laura Piana, a lot of their product. Uh, you have to get from shops like Neiman Marcus um, and these luxury department stores, but the fact that there's a standalone Lower Piana in D.C. just in and of itself shows how much stock, how much respect, um, and how much spending power is actually in D.C. Uh, so brands like that, Canali is another one um, that I that I am a fan of when it comes to uh, menswear
0: wardrobe and apparel as well. Oh, fantastic! No, I, I, Canali I know very well. I, I know the brands you mentioned, but it's great. I, I'm a lot well. Naturally, you'll be a, a suit and tie and, and, and shirt man. I, I wouldn't expect any less of you. <laughs> oh, yes. yes.
2: Um, there are a lot of, you know, I named some big ones. Um, but I am also a, a vintage guy. I'm a big fan of vintage. Mm. Uh, I don't buy anything new unless it's already old. Uh, so most of my wardrobe is is thrifted. Uh, there is a very hearty and deep vintage scene in D.C. in and, and around D.C. and North Virginia and Maryland as well. Um, so I spend a lot of my time seeking out uh, vintage clothing uh, that is, in in most cases, older than I am. Uh, <laughs> I haven't liked it that way because if it's older than I am and it's still around, it means it's quality uh, and it'll be around even over the next 30 years. So a lot of individual boutiques um, and a lot of individual vintage shops I'm a fan of and I, I take pleasure in that and seeking them out and finding them, a lot of them are no-name shops that no one would ever hear of. Um, but I, and I got to keep some of them a secret because hey, I gotta I gotta keep my stockpile. Absolutely, but uh, there's there's plenty of those around DC as well.
0: No, I think it's great. I think it's interesting. We we um we we're gonna do a, an issue on sustainability in, in August. Um, and do a month of sustainability and uh, and I I think you know as you said. You know thrift shopping um, you know we talk about a gentleman doesn't it doesn 't matter about the size of your wallet you know it 's not about how much money you have it 's about how you behave and and you know and how you put yourself out there and it doesn't mean that you have to go spend thousands and thousands of dollars on a on a suit to be stylish you know you can go off and find great vintage clothes, great thrift clothes, and as you say if they they're classics they've been around for a few years they're going to be around for a few more years
2: okay. um, I love uh, love to continue that conversation when we, when we get on to sustainability that that is uh, rather important to me directly and indirectly
0: yeah no absolutely well we, that's August so we got a couple of months away from that um, <laughs> I don't want to spoil our, our listeners uh, with, um, with 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 jumping ahead uh, <laughs> two months um, but no we'll certainly have that continue that conversation and, and uh, you know what, what is the kind of the, the gentleman world out in DC? I mean, it, it, it's an interesting thing, as you said, talked about in your article about politicians not being the greatest examples of, of gentlemanliness, um, and that's true here as well as there. But what about the rest of the, the men in, in DC? Right. Uh, you know, I, I started with the politicians because it just happens to be
2: serendipitous that we're in the middle of this presidential race uh, that no one has seen likes of before. Uh, so I kind of slid down the ladder from the, politi- from the um, political side. Uh, but the individual, everyday man, it's it's a toss-up. And it's it's unfortunate. But at the end of the day, I, I think there's a, a light at the end of the tunnel because any obstacle is, is meant to be overcome and any challenge is meant to be worked through. So in my estimation of what a gentleman is in, in modern times, unfortunately more often than not, that behavior is is not displayed or not uh, to the to the level that it could be or should be. Um, And I don't think that it's from an aspect of not caring. I don't think that it's from an aspect of of pure laziness. I think it's more of an aspect of not knowing uh, and not having either the resources or the mentors that men used to have in order to, to teach those skills. And it's not something, and like I mentioned, an article that that needs to be beaten over your head. It's just something that needs to be seen. And if you are surrounding yourself with the right man or the right men who are handling themselves properly, that just happens to be something that rubs off on you, if uh, so to speak. If that makes sense. Unfortunately, I don't see that as much in in DC as I would like. Outside of. The old establishment, either the gentleman's club, which there are are dozens in in D.C., uh, where you still have to wear certain uniform either to get in or you still say, yes, sir, no, sir, call a person by their last name, Mr., Mrs., these kind of things. So in this day and age, uh, I don't see that as much. Me personally, I try to do those things on a regular basis uh, because I feel like, one, that's what I was taught. And two, uh, I feel that that is the most respectful thing to do because you got to give respect in order to get it in some such, some situations. So even with people younger than I am, uh, people who are not my superior at work, people who do not have tenure that I do in my profession, uh, that doesn't matter. I still say yes, no, please, thank you, you're welcome. On a regular basis, I'm human, I'm, I'm not perfect. I'm only perfect six days a week. So every once in a while, uh, I I, I don't do that. But ask anyone, they will tell you that those things are part of my lexicon on a a daily basis. So I try to leave an impact on the men that I write to and for, uh, the people that come to me and see my brand either online or off, uh, in order to say, hey, well, this is what I should do as a young man. Or this is what I uh, or I I like the example that this younger man is setting for this generation if it happens to be an older gentleman. So I think it's it's up and down in terms of what I've seen uh, recently when it comes to being a, a gentle man in in D.C. But overall, I think that there is hope because as long as there is someone else uh, and I'm not a, a beacon of shining light, but as long as there's someone else who thinks like me in terms of I'm going to do what I can do on a regular daily basis in order to better the lives of other people around me, and I am more than sure and more than confident
0: that there are other men out there that think that way, then I think that there's hope. No, I I, I agree. And I, I think, you know, it's interesting. I, I, I've i had this conversation with other people before about, you know, being an exemplar Being a mentor, um, being a a, um, just uh, if you behave this way and show people this is the way to behave, then other people will hopefully follow you down that path. I mean, there is this limit of 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 you can only do so much, and as you say, we're not perfect; we don't always behave that way. But but as much as you possibly can, it's it's true. I think, and I, I think culturally as well. We're kind of lacking those exemplar figures. If we, yeah,
2: a, sorry. It's, it's not uh, you know from from the television that children are watching to teenagers that are watching these kind of, and it's it's the tech era. Um, they aren't reading things that they used to to read. Um, you know, from from classic novels and a lot of the example that I have got not only from upbringing in terms of, of people but are the the cultural things that I try to expose myself to and the other people from other cultures and just learning about the customs in other cultures will help you uh, respect your own culture more anything from uh, how you tip when you're traveling to uh, how you greet a person in business are you shaking their hand or are you giving the card with two hands uh, how many times do you bow These types of mannerisms uh, show a level of respect outside of obviously how you present yourself through dress. I'm just talking about the manners, Uh, the way you speak, uh, your temper, all of these types of things go into being a gentle man. It's not just that you say yes and no and thank you and please. It's also understanding uh, the time to step forward and say something and speak up, the time to take a step back. Uh, fighting that battle or not fighting that battle, uh, falling on the sword for your fellow man or or not those types of things encompass overall the the 360 degree of what it is to be a gentleman and I try to read uh, the examples and watch the examples and listen to the examples of men who are doing this on a regular basis and try as much as I can without... Uh, and this is, a, this is an important thing, Zach. It's not only implementing these things on a regular basis, but you have to understand the atmosphere that you're in and the comfort level of the other, of the other person or the other people. So you can only meet them where they are ready to meet you. So if you take it to another level, whatever it happens to be, in terms of either your mannerisms or your discussion, and this goes back to dressing, and I've made this point elsewhere in dressing, and I, and I have fought this battle personally and professionally, the, the, and I'm, I'm coming around to it, the art of dressing well is, is making sure that, one, you are comfortable, but other people are comfortable around you. If you're comfortable and other people aren't comfortable around you, therefore, you are putting other people in an uncomfortable situation, and therefore, you are not being a gentleman in my estimation at that point in time. So you need to be comfortable with yourself, of course, because you're a person, you have a soul, you have a life. It starts with you. But the other people around you need to be comfortable. So I always say with my clients in dressing, if you are comfortable with what you're wearing and everybody else does not feel alienated with how you present yourself, then you know you have attained a certain level of, of style because you can please yourself and you can please other people around you. Now, take that across the fence to how you uh, interact with with other people if you are comfortable with your interactions in terms of you saying yes sir no no ma'am and, and and so so forth and so on and the other people around you either accept that or they are not taken aback by that then you know you've reached a certain
0: level of gentlemanliness
2: and then you can attempt to go
0: on to the next level does that make sense no perfectly and i i wholeheartedly and totally agree with you it's it's, it's lovely to hear someone echo our sentiments uh, so clearly and uh, um and beautifully it's so true and it's one of those things we talk about there's a there's a a, um, a story we tell all the time which I won't bore you with now but about you know uh, one of the British kings and, and making other people feel comfortable we we tell it in, in the event and, and at various different trainings um, but it's, it's about that thing it's about being a gentleman it, for me the simplest someone says what's the definition of a gentleman is it makes it makes other people feel at ease
2: Yes, and that's that's the goal. Whether you're married or yeah. girlfriend or boyfriend, it doesn't matter. It's about making the other person at ease for the maximum amount of time that you can. Exactly. And uh, that's how you how you get through life. And that that requires just like when you drive a car, you can either jackrabbit on the gas real hard and real fast, and you're going to jerk people's necks, and you can stomp on the get ga- on the uh, brake real hard and real fast, and somebody's going to go through the windshield. Or you can let up off the gas and just pull your foot off and slowly inertia will slow that car down. And then when you're ready, you can slowly push back And the car ride at, and the travels at that point are comfortable. They're smooth. There's no herky jerky. It's the same with your mannerisms. If you are greeting someone the proper way, uh, the, the greeting of the day. And I used to be uh, coming up as a younger lad, as you may say in in England, uh, I abhorred saying good morning. I didn't like saying good morning when I woke up. I just didn't feel like speaking. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I wasn't a mean person. I just didn't want to speak as soon as I woke up. And As I grew up and I went to military school, it was part of the rules, regulation, and policy that you give the greeting of the day. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and or good night. So I learned quickly to get over that, and now it's one of the joys of my life. Ask anyone in my family; is one of the joys of my life to be able to wake up and say good morning or give the greeting of the day, um, and it makes everyone feel comfortable when they wake up or before they go to sleep. So these are the types of things that I've seen in my personal life that I try to uh, try to illuminate over to the professional and the social side. No,
0: absolutely, and I did. Right, it's, a, it's a great pleasure to, to, to hear you say that because it, it's so uh, enlightening to hear someone else say that, what we keep saying all the time and how important the little things are. And, and we try and emphasise it's just those little things. It's saying good morning to you know, the chap in the street that you, you see every day or the homeless person or whatever it is in that interaction is that those small, tiny things make a huge amount of impact. And and as you and you start to feel better and then other people start to feel better and that that sort of exponential uh, feeling starts to go forward, but also you're helping people be po- more polite and more considerate for others. And, that, and that's a fundamental underlying principle of all the things we do and all the things we teach. Um, here at The Perfect Gentleman, you know, it's all about, the bottom line is all about respect.
2: Yes, um, and... You know, I hope when uh, when my time is up here, I never want to uh, look at the negative side, but it's a reality. We're not all going to live forever. Um, and I routinely think, you know, what would people say when I'm no longer here? I'd spend more of my time thinking, what will people say about me now that I am here? But I would hope that one thing that people would say about me is that, uh, that he's a gentleman. And that doesn't have to be the actual word that they use, but uh, he approaches things, uh, the right way, he uses manners, these kind of things. All that wrapped up into one is the culmination of of being a gentleman. So I try to use these things, uh, and, and like uh, going back to what we we're talking about the uh, the scene in in D.C. I think that it's there. Uh, it is fleeting. It is certainly fleeting amongst the youth. You know, twenty years old and younger. Uh, it is it is a fleeting thing for them to say a a yes ma'am or no sir and Washington DC mind you is below the Mason-Dixon line which puts us in the south so a lot of people from the north aren't used to that Uh, I'm not saying that people in the north don't use those uh, uh, types of terms Um, but being from the south maybe uh, we have a little bit more predilection to use those terms but I feel like it doesn't matter if you're from north south east west that you should be able to show a level of respect in your uh, personal mannerisms in your discussion with either a superior or someone who's younger showing them that example or deferring to them when it comes to that in terms of their superiority
0: no absolutely and and, and you know the 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 um, archetype of the the southern gentleman is, is still strong i mean that 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 feeling that the South has more manners. Uh, than other parts of the of, of the Americas is, is still here you know it's that that thing why is the British gentleman so strong it's it's part of the culture and it's part of the uh, the underlying fabric of the of the country in question and I think the Southern gentleman is still the underlying fabric of, of, of the south uh, and, and uh, actually, we've got a way to catch up to uh,
2: to London and in <laughs> <and, and, laughs> your manners but uh, yes I think I take pride in, in being a Southern gentleman. I'm not from the Deep South, I'm not from Georgia and Alabama or Mississippi, these types of, of areas, but uh, I do take pride in, in being a Southern gentleman. And I think that it's more of a mindset than it is of a geographic location. Yeah, uh, You can be a Southern gentleman uh, in California if you want to be. Uh, it's just in terms of of the approach. and um, There are certain things that are are like nails on a chalkboard when it comes to manners for me and I have to, over the years I've had to learn when to say, hey, you need to improve that or let it go and let it be because it's not that serious. Uh, So I work on those things, like I said, with with pushing the gas and letting up off the gas pedal on (laughs) a regular basis.
0: I have to ask, so what's one of your nails on a chalkboard uh, manners problems? I've I've spent, uh,
2: in many of my uh, jobs and over the years, in many professions, I've spent some time teaching, and especially working with the younger children. It's few and far between that you see a teenager that uses the word yes or uh, no. Uh, I really don't like it when young people uh, respond to an adult uh, with what. Uh, It is one of the most disrespectful things, I think, Uh, on the planet but I don't raise all of the young people uh, and I'm not always in a position to correct them, Um, but it hurts me every time I hear it. Uh, If I can, and especially since I take the time and the effort when I speak to young people I say yes and I say yes sir and I say no ma'am to them even though I'm an adult and I don't have to, I do it to them as an example um, that's in my own home personally that's in my profession. So it's less of, oh, you uh, said this this time. I try to keep that example, uh, but it's one of those things. Uh, if, if someone calls my name nine times out of 10, I'm going to say yes. Uh, it's just something that, one, I was grown up with and it just, it just irks me. Um, other things from an adult perspective, uh, that men uh, overall in general, uh they have this way, and this is not just DC, um, but they have this way of when you see a man and a woman, the woman, no matter where they're going, grocery shopping, what have you, is for the most part uh, done up, makeup, dress, heels, all this kind of thing. The man, no matter where they're going, movies, grocery shopping, he is not in his best. Most of the time, the lady is in her best. Most of the time, the lady is in a position she's, she's presenting herself the best she can at that particular time. Most of the time for men, not that way. And I look at couples all the time, and I'm saying, well, why is she going through the effort and he doesn't put in the effort? It's not that, hey, uh, I think that my style is better than yours. It's that, why didn't you put in the same effort that your partner or the person you're with at the moment put in effort? So that irks me, and it, and it has less to do with just the clothing and more to do with the mindset of why would you not put in the effort to look the best for the place that you're going? I'm not saying wear a three piece suit to the grocery store, that's idiocy. What I am saying is put an amount of effort appropriate for where you're going, for what you're doing, for who you're seeing, and that way. Again, the people around you, even though they may not say anything to you, they are comfortable with you being in their environment. Makes sense?
0: Oh no, totally. I mean, it, it, um, your <clears throat> as they say, Grant, preaching to the converted. Um, in fact, that what, that exact thing was one of the reasons I started The Perfect Gentleman. Yeah, and, and it's it's just effort. Mm-hmm. It's
2: not you have to look this way. And why don't you look this way? It's just the question of why didn't you put in. 2% more effort because you could, and that's all you have to do. So a couple of things uh, from an aspect of, of younger people today in terms of how they respond and then something for uh, for men, and I would say just put in the effort. Mm. If, if your partner is putting in the effort, you should put in as much effort as they do. And again, I've been in those situations personally where the partner felt that I was putting in more effort, and that was making the partner uncomfortable. You have to be able to be comfortable with yourself and and, and, the, and the partner be like, OK, yes, I'm good with this. We're good. We're on the same level. We can go do what we have to do. That takes practice. That takes effort in order to look like that you didn't put a lot of work into it. It takes a lot of effort to look like you
0: didn't put a lot of work into it. Oh no, absolutely. It's, it's, it's that. It's that. Uh that great thing isn't it the the duck is swimming along and it looks really smooth on the surface but they're kicking like hell underneath oh, it's, right. that, it's that that effort thing but no i totally agree with you i, I well, the one of the reasons i started the perfect gentleman was i would watch couples who were obviously out on dates and sh- as you say she would be dressed up she would have made an effort and all that sort of thing and then the guy looks like he's just fallen off the couch and yeah, i would yeah. I, and i would almost physically want to get up and slap them just because <laughs> you know, it's that you're not As you said, you're not respecting the 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 event that you're at, right. which is a date, and you're not respecting the person that you're with. You know, and that for me just irks, and like you said, irks me, and it it, it frustrates me no end as well. It's just one of those things where you just think, when was the when was the turning point that we lost as men uh, that thought process of actually I need to make an effort.
2: Yeah, and uh,
0: it's it's
2: disappointing, but again, this is why uh, people like us exist in our profession. No, it's uh, true. While wow. trying to uh, to make a difference, so you know, I haven't said anything uh, that you were not familiar with, or that the that the listeners may not be familiar with. Hopefully, there have been some uh, it shed some light on my personal life and personal personal thoughts, um, and and ruminating on what. Is and what can be. Ultimately, I think that we are not all Neanderthals. Ultimately, I do believe that there are more gentlemen than are not. How you choose to display that and how often you choose to display that is the key. Um, every gentleman is not going to wear a three-piece suit and that doesn't make you a gentleman just because you do. Uh, uh, It makes you a gentleman because, like you said, we put in the effort. It makes you a gentleman because you're making other people feel comfortable. It makes you a gentleman because you're putting in the effort to make the world a better place. And while you may be in Timbuktu or in Washington, D.C., your little speck and little part of the world, while you make that better and we sew that all together, that quilt gets bigger and bigger, and hopefully the world just gets better.
0: No, I, I totally agree. Uh, Grant, I, I, it's been a pleasure. Um, it's been a delight to uh, to speak to you. Um, thank you for, for being a bastion of gentlemanliness uh, in D.C. And, and, and the East Coast of America. Uh, it's been a great pleasure, and I look forward to speaking to you uh, again on the podcast in, in, a, in a couple of weeks' time. Same here, <laughs> sir. I certainly appreciate
2: it. I hope the audience... Uh, get something out of it. Uh, if anyone wants to contact me directly, uh, happy to do so. My website, I'm sure uh, Zach will have it up at www.imagegranted.com. Uh, and you can reach me directly with any questions on gentlemanliness uh, at corporate at Uh oh,
0: Wonderful. I, I, I wholeheartedly hope that most of the men of DC and the greater uh, area of uh, Virginia and Maryland, uh, and mostly the politicians that are running for uh, office come knocking at your door immediately.
2: Yeah, I'd love to have a dialogue with Donald Trump. We can do
0: that. <laughs> oh, for so, so many reasons. <laughs> <laughs> Grant, thank you very much. Thank you, Zach. I'm good Born in the backshop of a Colombian leather craftsman, matured on the Pan-American highway, perfected on a pub's damp table in Savile Row, Monsieur London is the result of travel. It led its two creators from Anchorage to a shire on the 19,000 mile long journey. They ended up in London to settle the project born from a choice to lead a lifestyle with higher standards and expectations. A brand for the 21st century cosmopolitan man. As a result of this approach, the online retail shop MonsieurLondon.com was was launched in October 2012. Since then, they have met many pop-up shops in Paris and London and opened with business partners La Gassioniere, a 250 square meters men lifestyle concept store in Paris. Their brand offers elegant accessories made with traditional know-how for a fair price. They make their customers pay for the quality, not for the branding and marketing. Their French, Italian and English workshops fabricate outstanding products. Created with their sense of traditional know-how and their passion for style, these accessories reflect the technical excellence of their makers. They offer bespoke options on many of their products, including gloves, bags, and belts. Check them out at missyourlondon.com. Thank you, Grant. It was lovely chatting to you, and uh, I look forward to more news from uh, Washington and across the pond, as we say, uh, in future months to come.
1: Brilliant. Really enjoyed it.
0: It's lovely. It's nice to have new contributors and new, it is. new people speak all the time.
1: It is, so it isn't, it isn't just us.
0: <laughs> You're not bored of us rambling along. <laughs> well, that's almost That's almost it. There
1: you go. That, that's flown over.
0: Yeah, I know. It's been very quick this week.
1: So I've got a long list of books now that I'll need to... To get myself off to the bookstore with, but I I was looking at my shelves and thinking that I had a little bit of space that I needed to fill. So that will do. Excellent. We'll look
0: forward to it. And uh, I look forward to speaking to you next week, James.
1: And you, my friend. Speak soon. Take care. Goodbye, everyone.
0: This podcast is brought to you by The Perfect Gentleman Group Limited and was edited by Andy Nichol at the Pistachio Palace.